This is Digital Health Today, Episode 6. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Now, here is your host, Dan Kendall. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. You know, innovation in healthcare is exploding, and certainly the development of digital health technologies is advancing faster than we've ever seen before. But do we have the right systems in place to measure it? Do we have a framework to quantify the studies, pilots, and results that are being generated all around the world? Well, my guest today thinks this is a real problem, and he's working to establish a global ecosystem to address it. And you're invited to be a part of it. This is episode six of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and I appreciate you tuning in. There are lots of things you can listen to on your earbuds, and I'm glad that you are listening here. Now, before we jump into the show, I need to ask for your support. Your feedback helps me make sure that the content and guests on this program are exactly what you'd like to hear. For that reason, I'm asking for two things. First of all, please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave an honest rating. As I've said before, reviews and ratings are the lifeblood of podcasts, and this goes a long way to attracting other listeners and growing the strengths of this show. Secondly, I'd love your feedback through our website. You can join our digital health community at digitalhealthtoday.com join, or you can simply fill out the form on our contact page. Either way, I'll be able to hear what resonates with you and get your input on making this the best podcast available on the web. Now on to the show. My guest today is Dr. Ashish Atreja. He is an assistant professor and the chief technology engagement and innovation officer for the Department of Medicine at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in Manhattan. He is an intrapreneur with over 10 years experience in informatics education and research. Dr. Atreja is also the director of the App Lab at Mount Sinai Hospital, and he is concerned about the lack of a robust body of digital health evidence. In this podcast, he shares his vision for addressing that need through collaboration, and he has set up a new data sharing initiative called Node Health that encourages organizations to share their own digital health pilot data. Node Health stands for the Network of Digital Evidence in Health, and he talks about what it is, how to participate, and how it is working to become the academic home for evidence in digital medicine. Now, I need to apologize for some of the audio quality on this podcast. I know that high-quality audio is very important, and I go to great lengths to ensure that my team and I deliver a well-produced show. But sometimes things happen that are a bit beyond our control. We did the best we could to correct some of the interference that we had, and in the end, I think the quality of the content is so important that I wanted to release this episode, even though some of the audio could be a little bit better. Thanks for bearing with me. Now, let's tune into the discussion. Dr. Atreja, thanks very much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, I've given the listeners a little bit of background on your role and your current activities. Can you share just a little bit more detail about what you're doing now and a bit about your personal journey? Absolutely. I, I came to U.S. in 99, and one of the reasons I could come to U.S. was because of technology. At that time, the internet was just coming, the, and I was able to communicate with multiple professors right from India send them emails in 99 and find a spot which was very suited for me for my master's in public health at University of Illinois, Chicago. So I could see the power of internet and the power of computer science in connecting the people and allowing me to get a higher level of education. The first day of my residency at Cleveland Clinic, I had a patient with a lung transplant and I had not managed a patient with lung transplant before in my life. And 
So I was told to just go to an online textbook called Up to Date and see what the findings should be. And I couldn't believe that I can get the most relevant, most updated information at the click of a button. And this information normally in books is four to five years behind. So I could see that if we leverage technology the right way, how meaningful it can be for the entire health system delivery. So after I completed my residency, I did two years fellowship in informatics at Cleveland Clinic. I also did a course from Oregon Health Sciences University in biomedical informatics um, and started a role to implement electronic health record at Cleveland Clinic. And then after my gastroenterology fellowship, I got interested in chronic disease management and mobile technologies to take care of patients with chronic diseases. And that was the point at which you moved to Mount Sinai in Manhattan. What made you want to move there? Was there a particular reason or an area of informatics that you were seeking to pursue? When I came to Mount Sinai four years ago, I had asked to build a whole innovation team completely focused on mobile development. I had worked on some web platforms. The problem with the web platforms was you have to log in and then access it. There was no way to engage the patient through notifications. So it was always something you can deliver, but that was at a distance. With mobile health, I could see the health can become proximal to you. And that level of engagement was something that really excited me. So one of my main reasons to come here was to actually build a team where we're not dependent on any third party and we learn and grow and adapt very fast in agile fashion. So we can provide the care to our patients, not just once or twice a year, but on a continuous basis. And because we are within a health system, we can rapidly test within our patients and communities, physicians community, and see what is working, what's not. Connecting with the patients when they have symptoms and intervening before they get worse. And so iPad and the iOS store just provide us an engagement tool to bring the best technology and the best practices to them. And now we have 23 projects going on, grants from CDC, New York City, New York State. We have our apps which are implemented in three continents right now. And it's just a terrific journey. And what's been the most challenging part of the journey so far? But one thing that has really bothered me in this journey is the time it takes to diffuse or disseminate innovation in health systems. And there have been many other innovation centers in U.S., a lot of good work happening, but it is not coming down to patient care. It is a general estimate is it takes nine months to start a pilot, not just complete a pilot, start a pilot in a health system because of various governance policies, because of various fragmentation in the space. It's not lack of innovation. There are more than 165,000 apps in healthcare in iOS store, but it's not the innovation, but it's delivery of that innovation in health system. And one of the key things that is lacking is what works and what does not work. So health systems can rapidly make decisions what technology they should onboard for their patients. So that science of what is working, what is not working, a scientific discipline around digital medicine has not been created. And I know that's something you've been working to address. You recently launched a new initiative called Node Health. We'll go deeper into it on this program, but can you give me the 30-second summary of what Node Health is and what you're working to achieve? So our... Efforts in Node Health, which is Network of Digital Medicine Evidence, is to have a network and then a think tank of thought leaders in various disciplines 
so we can create evidence of what is working, what is not working, create a governance structure to fast track uh, things which are working, uh, and ultimately bring this to our patients much faster. The ICON School of Medicine at Mount Sinai was one of the first organizations to partner with Apple on their research kit. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that partnership started and how things have developed over time? My team, which is in ICON Institute in Genomics, they had partnered with the Apple to came with the Asthma Mobile App. And uh, that had got 12,000 downloads within the same, same day. And some fascinating work has been coming out of it. So we have it internally at Sana App Lab. We have around uh, six apps right now, which are developed and released in the stores. Um, and some of those apps are actually, uh, even though they're available in the store, they are locked for our patients because we are testing them and they're doing a clinical trials on them. And one app has been made available to the public, which is on hepatitis C. So what's the process that you go through as you have these ideas? Is there a group within the app lab that vets these various things or that receives input from people who have ideas for apps? That's correct. So we, we have a group which I, I lead. It's an Office of Technology Innovation and Engagement. We have innovation champions from 12 divisions of medicine. So if there's any good idea which we feel may be relevant, but we need to have a sounding board, this group of providers and uh, executives from various departments come and we share this idea with them. If we get a signal that there may be a value, then we do a prototype and then reach back to the leadership and say, is this something that's gonna create value? So mostly we look for a clinical champion who can see that there's a gap in care in certain diseases or in certain delivery models. And that champion becomes the voice for us to build that. Many times we can do prototypes fairly easily within our budget, but if it requires a full development, we really wait for either a grant to come in or the, the department to kind of sponsor the app development process. You just touched on the, the role of a clinical champion, and so many conversations that I have really revolve around trying to identify that individual or group of individuals that, that can uh, take on that role. Do you have a process for finding those clinical champions or are they the ones that are actually coming to you with those ideas and asking to be involved? Yeah, so I think that's a fascinating question. We have we've actually thought that people who are already very interested, but they don't have a medium to engage with. So we have a grassroots kind of uh, initiative. We call it Monsanto Innovation Champions, where we reach out to the community, to the provider community and say, this is a forum. We meet monthly, but we exchange emails nearly every other week where you can get connected, talk about the ideas you have, and we share all the pilots we are doing. So just to tell the story how rapidly it has evolved, uh, we started around one and a half years ago, and none of the divisions had any active digital medicine project going on. Now every division, except for one maybe, has not just one, but more than one digital medicine pilots are active implementations going on. So getting the group together and providing a medium to them to share and discuss the learnings is a vital part of our success story. What would you say is the biggest failure or shortcoming you've seen so far in the adoption of new technologies in healthcare? I think the biggest failure is we are all doing work in isolation. None of the science advances if we don't collaborate. And in digital medicine space, there is so much fragmentation. And I'll, I'll give you a very 
a specific example, Dan, I was in a panel with Kaiser and with uh, Boston Children around a year ago, and we were sharing what pilots we were doing. It was really striking for me, for three of us to know, that majority of the pilots we were doing within our health system were same. And if I had known in advance that other organization is doing the pilot and will share their findings, I may, I may invest in some other pilots, right? Because everyone has a limited bandwidth in testing the technology. But there is no medium, no academic society, which is totally helping sharing of information. And sharing of information has to be an unbiased information, not vendor-driven, not biased information. So I think that is the biggest thing that is limiting the field today. There's too much innovation, too much fragmentation. Decision makers, whether they're healthcare executives or health IT leaders or providers, don't know which technology is ripe and evidence-based that they can then bring to the patients. I agree with everything you're saying there, Dr. Atreja, and you know, there simply is so much technology, so much innovation, so many new companies that are coming up with better ways and newer ways of doing things that really the people who are responsible, the organizations that are responsible for implementing these technologies simply are overwhelmed with information, and they don't know which horses to back, if you will. And I was in a meeting with Professor Nick Peters from Imperial College. He's a cardiologist there. And he had a very clever response to that, which is if you don't know which horses to back, you need to build a racetrack and and let them all race. And by that, he was simply expressing that you need to build a an environment where the technologies are intended to be used and see how they're actually faring in that environment. And I think you're doing that. So can you tell us about the Node Health Initiative and uh, what you're doing there to create this environment where people can be more open and collaborative with the work they're doing? Absolutely. By the way, I like your analogy of the racetrack. If you don't mind, I'll borrow those words to exemplify this stuff. So as part of Node Health, we have created a network of digital medicine evidence, and that includes all key stakeholders in this digital medicine space. And so that includes the peers, that includes the, the venture capitalists, that includes the entrepreneurs in the startups, that includes the patients as a citizen society. But more importantly, it includes at the center, the academic medical centers and the medical societies, right? Because these are the societies and these are the centers which are running evidence-based medicine and the science of medical practice. So with Node Health, we're creating the similar ecosystem around apps, variables, and analytics. Basically saying, this is the time for physicians to prescribe apps. This is the time for physicians to prescribe variables, but they can only prescribe it if they know what is the evidence behind it. And we can build evidence faster and better if we openly share and collaborate. So one of the guiding principles of Node Health is anyone who joins as a member, they agree to the, or in generally the terms, that they're going to share all the digital medicine pilots they are doing. So we're in the process of creating a registry of that. That way, if I know five other organizations are doing pilots on that, then I do not have to do that pilot. And it's not only sharing the pilots they are doing, but then through webinars and our community site, they actually actively share the lessons learned from those pilots. So that way I can build my pilot based on what has been happening before. And then we have a way to create a publication policy where multi-site pilots, one of the major bias with the current digital medicine pilots is they're mostly done in one center. 
So there are a lot of inherent biases in that approach. So if we do multi-site pilots, those biases in the approach go away, many of those. So any pilot that is based on multi-site pilot, we want to publish the evidence and bring it for free to the community. In a way, it's not something we're doing entirely innovative, but what we are doing is taking all the innovation that's happening and putting in a very structured community or network so the, the rapid sharing can happen around evidence. And then we have a platform to show this is the evidence for this technology, this is the evidence for that technology. Uh, I have a quote that I found that, that you gave some time ago. What's lacking is evidence that proves the value of M Health, not just in terms of return on investment, but in terms of improving patient outcomes. We need to prove uh, clinical effectiveness and increase efforts on the engagement side. What, what are you doing to measure the engagement? How do you measure that within a, a clinical study? That's such a terrific question. In fact, one of the key tasks for our members are to actually find endpoint, relevant endpoint for digital medicine trials. Before any drug goes into FDA, they are relevant outcome endpoints, and then everyone trusts them or FDA takes them, and then the drug gets approved. We have to find relevant endpoints. And it comes down to many relevant endpoints are, could be patient outcomes, but it also is process variables like engagement. And engagement as a term is so not defined by the scientific community. What we have been doing, for example, we have a clinical trial going on a remote monitoring platform called Health Promise. We are measuring patient engagement through a multitude of objective and subjective metrics. And again, I, I wouldn't say that I have all the perfect metrics, but I think we need to openly share those metrics so other people can share the metrics. And we can then say, for any digital medicine study, these are the common agreed endpoints that you should consider measuring for patient engagement. So the way we look at it is first, the patients who, uh, how many patients were approached for the app, or suppose I'm taking an example for the app, actually signed up for the app, then how many of them logged into the app the first time? Then how many are logging into the app after a period of time? Because we have seen sometimes a drop in the engagement. And then we want to see, did they, very specifically, did they log, when was the last day or month they logged into the app? And then we do more like a online focus groups with the patients and also try to generate data from the app analytics to say if they're logging into the app, how long they're staying, which features they are clicking in, and then if there are surveys within the app, are they filling the surveys? And then through focus group, we ask them, is the app giving them a value? Would they like to continue using the app? And, and whether they will recommend the app to others, right? So some of the scales are borrowed by other satisfaction scales, but we have adapted them for digital medicine. By looking at all these measures, we get a more composite idea of engagement with this app versus other. And then that leads to whether this engagement is really leading to better outcomes or not. And in terms of return on investment, do you look at that at all as a part of the, the data set that you're seeking or in the, in the engagement that you're seeking from the community? For certain applications, yes. So for example, we have a trial going on, which is on transitions of care for patients with blood clot who are hospitalized with blood clot. In that setting, we are looking for whether this remote monitoring platform, which has a built-in secure matching telemedicine, can decrease the readmissions of the patients to the patients with the DVT. There's a definite return on investment there, the number of visits we can prevent there. Uh, there's also a heart failure pilot we are doing to reduce readmissions, and we are seeing, and there there's a definitely ROI by reducing readmission. 
So I think ROI needs to be part at some stage. Sometimes some things are done more to more for research per se, like Apple Research Kit, and there it's not as much ROI than the fact this is something new. We want to see if there's a value and patients adopt it. But once patients you start seeing engagement, the next logical question is, does it generate ROI that a health system executive will then pay for this initiative to be provided to all the patients in that health system? So based on what stage the app is, very early stage versus little late stage, which has already found some patient engagement, the ROI conversation takes shape at, at that level. You launched Node Health in March 2016, and you're actively seeking new organizations to sign up to participate in the ecosystem and essentially be a node on this network. So for everyone in the listening audience who's interested in becoming a node on the network, what are some of the requirements for them to become a member of it? And what are some of the expectations they should have of being a part of the organization? So the three guiding principles of uh, Node Health, which are kind of terms of use, we want people, members to accept that before they become a formal member, is first they're open to sharing information about pilots they have. Now, there is some information that could be IP within their organization. We're not asking them to disclose the IP information, but there are a lot of knowledge that can be shared which is not necessarily a IP of that hospital or health system. So the first guiding principle is sharing information. The second is helping us standardize the governance and regulatory policy on how to bring new innovation and creating evidence. For example, should we have a standard non-disclosure agreements? Should we have a standard IT security checklist? Should we have a central IRB processes? What we should be asking with pilots. So that's the second part, uh, standardization. And the third is supporting multi-site digital medicine pilots. If you're a health system, you're any organization, or you are citizen scientists as patients, we want to know if you are interested in doing multi-site pilots. And as the startups and other challenges approach us, we would like to do you know, 10 sites pilots of the same technology or five site pilots. Uh, so those are the, the top three kind of guiding principles. And what are some of the benefits that members will receive for being a part of the Node Health ecosystem? The key benefits for members uh, talking about the health systems and the innovation centers are all the content that we are creating, the evidence pulse. We, we go through all the literature in Medline in digital medicine space. We have a team of research scholars who just their full-time day job is just going through that data. And we create a very evidence-based newsletter called as Evidence Pulse. So as a member, you can we encourage people to share that within their own organization. So for example, now I'm sharing that within Mount Sinai Health System as I'm sharing it outside Mount Sinai uh, as part of Node. So the goal is that we can create grassroots level awareness among physicians, providers, uh, and leaders that this is the evidence that is shaping up so they can start making decisions based on that. The second part is learning, sharing and learning from each other. There is no innovation center and no health system has the bandwidth today to do everything. Partnership is key. And the only way you can partner is if you know more about the other partner. So this ecosystem drives sharing and learning on what we are doing innovative side, what other health systems are doing. And we provide a forum through webinars and through newsletter to share that. And that sharing and learning leads to a very logical thing, which drives the whole field of academic medicine is participating in grants. And our goal is that we get more and more collaborative grants through this node health. In fact, three days ago, we just filed the first collaborative grant, which is using Node Health Network 
in partnership with Hopkins and uh, Jefferson is supporting that to the Office of National Coordinator. So we already started seeing interest among health systems to join hands together to share and learn and then participate in grants. We're also developing assets within Node Health, like a journal and registry, and those costs are waived for publication to the people who are the members. And then we invite the members to become part of our uh, think tank group. And then we do panels in major conferences like Health Summit and HEMS to move the needle on evidence building. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of organizations that are interested in becoming a part of this. How would an organization actually express an interest or become a part of the Node Health program? I think the easiest way is just to go to nodehealth.org and there is a sign up button to just sign up and express your interest. There's also a LinkedIn group, which is called as uh, Digital Medicine Evidence. People can also type Node Health and they can become part of the community. And once we have the detailed profile, then, then we start engaging them in, in webinars or in working group committees. In the webinars, we want to showcase if they are innovation center in an academic medical center, uh, we invite them. We share their profile with our newsletter called as Evidence Pulse. And then we invite them for a webinar to share all the things that they are doing innovative and what are the challenges they are facing. So I think the, the start of the process is very easy. Just going to the nodehealth.org site or to the LinkedIn group, and then we follow up with node members after that. Is it correct that you're looking for centers around the world to become a part of this? Is it open to organizations outside of the U.S.? That is correct. And we already have uh, innovation centers in uh, uh, Australia, India, Israel, and Canada tied up with this global initiative. So because the same problem we are facing here, too much innovation and so little evidence, we are finding across the globe. And if we set up a framework on how to get evidence faster and better, that will be something that is easily transferable globally. Well, we have a very engaged audience on this podcast with listeners from all around the world. And today we've talked about some of the ways organizations can be a part of Node Health, but can you describe some of the ways individuals can also be a part and some ways that they can contribute to the advancement of this ecosystem? Absolutely. I think the easiest way for them to just involve is any important information they see that they want to share, they can just hashtag with DigMed Evidence and we will be able to capture that. They can become part of our Evidence Pulse team, which is curating this newsletter every two weeks. And our goal is to make it every week and they can become part of that team. They can become a peer reviewer or uh, editorial board person or uh, author uh, for the articles for the Journal of Digital Medicine Evidence. And more importantly, I think uh, we want them to bring the voice of their community. We want them to become node for their organizations, whether those are startups, accelerators, health systems, and become members and bring their questions and also bring their knowledge of what they're doing in innovation space so other members can learn from them as well. Well, this has really been a wonderful talk. I'm really pleased to hear what it is that you're working on through the ecosystem, what you've set up, and the invitation for others to participate. Uh, we're coming up to the end of our time together, but before I let you go with a few parting comments, I have a few questions that I like to ask of all of our guests. So, Dr. Atreja, what is it that made you uh, want to pursue a career in health and medicine? mainly to make a biggest impact, which I can. And part of that is just seeing people around you. And I was inspired by physicians and the what they can do. And it just motivated me from a very young time that I can make a difference. What is a book that you recommend and why? 
I read a lot of uh, kind of not spiritual, but kind of a motivational books. So the, the monk who sold the Ferrari. So I think uh, that still touches me a lot. I actually, whenever I feel there's too much turmoil going on, I go back and read a few pages of that. And there's something about it that resonates very good with me and, and, and I think with many people in, in current society. What is a tech tool, whether it's a device or an app or uh, some other piece of technology that you would recommend to our listeners? I just recommend very plain, simple FaceTime. Whenever I go to any conference or something, I miss my family a lot. And all I do is just a FaceTime and just seeing them uh, in FaceTime and talking to them is so humane, uh, which I never, which people think technology is not humane, but technology is making us in many ways more humane. It's just we have to find the right technology to leverage. The last question is, in recognition of your participation in this podcast, we're going to make a donation to a charity of your choice. Can you tell us which charity you've chosen and why? Mm -hmm. So there is a charity in India which does a lot of education stuff. It's called as ASHA, A-S-H-A. And the goal is to provide education to all the underprivileged kids. I'm closely connected with that. If you could, it's the site is ashanet.org. They do have a chapter in, in London as well. So that would be very much appreciated. Absolutely. We'll do that and we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. So if there's anyone else that would like to support that charity, uh, they'll be able to find that easily. Dr. Treasure, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Anything else that you think is important that you'd like to mention to them? No, I want to first thank you, Dan, for this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. My only message is it's just a plea for all of us to become a node, to become a champion and collaborate, share and learn because none of us can do it alone. Excellent. Well, we wish you the best of luck and we'll continue to promote your activities and try to encourage more organizations to become nodes within the ecosystem. And we'll look forward to continuing to highlight your success. So thank you very much for being a part of the show. Thank you so much, Dan. And that's Dr. Ashish Atreja from the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. I knew that was going to be an interesting episode. I love what he's doing, setting up nodes around the world to evaluate digital evidence on health technologies. So please sign up and be a part of these programs. Visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash six. That's the number six, where you can find all the links to his program, which is nodehealth.org. You can also find links in the show notes there for the Sinai App Lab, the LinkedIn group, more information about the work that Mount Sinai is doing with Apple, and much more. Thanks very much for tuning into this week's show. I look forward to talking to you next week. And until next time, keep on innovating. <music>